Hey there, it's Lacey J from Space Bear Media, the makers of Lost in My 40s. Did you know that you can go to spacebearmedia.com right now to access all our content, including our weekly video pre-shows where your hosts ponder ethical questions related to the week's episode and answer some fun questions just for, well, fun. Speaking of fun, if you have it, thanks to our content, please consider rating or reviewing Lost in My 40s on your favorite app or recommend us to a friend who loves Lost. It's Lost in My 40s, Season 2, Episode 25, Theories and Questions. Who's excited? Who's excited? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Today, we will be talking about not just theories and questions, but also a few fun facts about our character rankings, a little more of a deep dive, plus an aggregate of the main characters over both seasons And an in-depth look, with spoilers, by the way, at the novel Bad Twin by Gary Troop. And then, of course, Derek's biggest questions from season two and from the entire series so far. But first, let's review what we talked about in season one, Theories and Questions. There were two main ones that we talked about. I'm just going to touch on them and then add a little bit. The first was that uh, the hatch represents the Greek myth of Pandora's box, and that by opening it, they have released evil. And uh, we went over what the tale of Pandora was. If you want to hear it, it was again, a bo- I mean, Locke was the box man, so <laughs> he was the box man. <laughs> yes, he was, and a lock in the box. Yeah, uh, indeed. Um, so, right when Locke uses the phrase "hope," uh, is how this. Uh, theory started because that is what is left inside Pandora's box when all of the evil is uh, tossed out. And in season two, some fans took the foot of the statue as possibly further evidence toward the myth of Pandora's box because it could be a Greek statue. The second Mm. thing that we talked about was that the survivors actually died during the crash and that the island was in purgatory, or the island is purgatory or is in purgatory. What about the foot makes you think that it's a, it's Greek? Not me. It's not about the foot. It doesn't. It's not that the foot makes anyone think Greek specifically, but that the foot and the way the sandal um, was atop the four-footed, uh, four-footed, four-footed. four-footed foot. Uh was uh, was reminiscent of Greek. And you statues. said last episode, or is it last or one before the Two, fun facts yeah. where they have four toes on Greek statues? That's why I said, Oh, are you saying it's a Greek statue? No, I said Egyptian. Yeah. Oh, Egyptian. Okay. Egyptian. Yes. There yes. we go. But all of the ancient history, you know, they have their own sculptures and artwork. And so, um, you know, some people wondered why, you know, why is it four toes and where did it come from? And others saw it as evidence that the, they're on the right track with Pandora's yeah. box. I was thinking, like, with, in Greek mythology, there's all, like, there's the Titans and giants and all that type of shit, wasn't Ooh, yeah, there? That what, oh. were there? Were yeah. there giants that might be uh, different, you know, different number of toes? 
They might be giants. Possibly, yeah. I don't know. That's a man. Oh, my God. I know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Back to the uh, purgatory theory. Of course, this was the pervasive one. Um, But what's interesting is by the end of season two, it actually, fairly early on, maybe even toward the end of season one, by now is what I should say, (laughs) the writers had flat out denied that this is where the show was going, and it's not about purgatory, so just give it up and forget it. However, some of the fans happened to notice that Gary Troop, the author of Bad Twin, is an anagram for purgatory. Oh, my God. Dun, dun, dun. Hmm. In addition to those sort of overarching theories, there are a few more things that came out of season two that were floating around out there. (laughs) (laughs) The first, uh, the others are the Dharma Initiative and that they're doing some kind of experiments on children, which is why they took Alex and why they took Walt and why they were so interested in the pregnant Claire, which left fans worried for the pregnant, pregnant, (laughs) pregnant son. (laughs) They took my baby. My baby. (laughs) Next. Let's get her and Michael together. Whoa, my baby. Whoa, my baby. <laughs> <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> it sounds like like something you'd hear to rave. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, next thing, uh, there were some people who thought that the men who were looking for Mr. Cooper finally get sick of Locke's shit and break his legs, leaving him in a wheelchair. Oh, shit. Uh. We still don't know how that fucking happened. Well, nope. I do. Nope. None of well, you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Derek's no, never seen it. And I the remember, two of you don't remember. But, yeah. <laughs> well, it's coming up in season three. We get Finally. to find out. Uh-huh. All right. The third little theory I'm going to bring up is uh, related to one of Derek's questions at the end of the last episode. So, some people believed that when Desmond turned the failsafe key, what happened was that the magnet was reversed, which is why the hatch door that said quarantine on it went flying toward the beach as opposed to being sucked in to the magnet. That makes sense. It does. Yeah. Next, pretty much everybody was convinced that uh, Walt was never coming back because... Although it had only been two months on the island, this child had been growing for two years, and it was going to only become more and more obvious uh, that time was not passing correctly for Walt. And so uh, one of the things that was floating around out there was that somehow uh, Henry fucked them by giving them certain, uh, you know, coordinates and that Walt dies at sea uh, and then Michael shows back up next season with more vengeance in the name of his son. I figured that <laughs> crappy boat would just sink. Yeah. yeah that too. <laughs> um, next, people started to wonder whether or not Libby was in the mental hospital with Hurley because she lost her shit after her husband died. Lost her shit after she lost her ship. well no so i'm thinking it might be husband gets sick and dies she ends up in a mental hospital she gets out and meets desmond and gives him the boat and then ends Uh, up on oceanic 
flight at 15. Or she's just crazy the whole time, never had a husband, and the whole thing's a fucking delusion. That's right. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Perhaps it's, part of the crazy was her giving Desmond the boat. Yeah. 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 Um, it's it's funny that you say that about crazy the whole time because the next thing that I was going to tell you is that some people thought that Hurley is not crazy and has never been crazy, but he in fact can talk to dead people, and that Dave and Starla and Johnny were all killed when he knocked the deck down. Hmm. <laughs> wow. Hmm. I have one more. Uh, and the last one is does tie into continuing with the purgatory theme that the writers have flat out denied. And that is that the whispers on the island are not the others, but instead lost souls who cannot get out of purgatory. Oh. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Let's do a bit of a deep dive into our character power rankings. First, let's review who won our top three. Echo, Silver Surgeon, Mayor of <laughs> Island Town. Our bottom three, Michael, Mr. Cooper, as Ben used to call him. And Charlie, poor Charlie. <laughs> no, not poor Charlie. Charlie's made his fucking bed. Yeah, he deserves right, to right. be where he is in the rankings yes. right now. But he's a hobbit, and I love him. Let's do a few more. Ben, can you help me out here? Who was the most fucked this season? I have I an inkling. One guess. <laughs> Might Kate. be the Kate. same as last. Yeah, yeah. Kate, Kate, and Kate. All righty. Yeah. Who was the most killed? I'm going to guess Michael. Same here. I think you that's guessed correct. Yep. Oh. Who was our most loved off-island character? Oh. Anyone got any guesses? Um, Helen. You got it again. Got I wasn't it. guessing because I can see what Ben wrote down for me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, heck yeah, Peg Bundy, fucking a. Yep. Yeah. Um, and most hated off-island character is of Randy course Randy Dushnagnation. Mr. Cooper. It's Mr. Mr. Cooper. Cooper. Oh, he was wow. second. Yeah. He was second. Oh, second place. Yeah. Otherwise, he was the only one who hated Randy Dushnagnation that much. Fuck you, Randy. All right, Ben. What was our most random fuck and kill of the season? Well, our most random fuck came courtesy of Christy, who fucked Abraham, who was a character from not even the show. <laughs> that was from the yes. a- Abraham from the was, Dead. Yeah, the yeah, was Dead. Ma- yeah. Michael Cudlitz from The Walking Dead played Abraham in that show and, pay- and played Anna Lucia's police partner in this show. Right. So, okay. So but he, was written down, he was written down as Abraham on there. So. so it is. So it is random that Christy fucked a character from another from show. another show. Uh, yeah. I remember yeah. when I sent you a message to add Abraham to the list of characters. I was like, just trust me. <laughs> just do it because you're going to be like, who the fuck is Abraham? So I was. Yeah. No, I just do. do I do. Oh, okay. I knew who Abraham was. All right. So our um, most, uh, what about our, our most, most r- random kill? Yeah, our most random kill, I grabbed three of them. Uh, the first one was Jack's wig from earlier in the season. 
Um, the second one was Drive Shaft, which I, oh, I think more and more I don't really. I'm okay with that. I stand I'm by okay that decision. That. Yeah, and then the the last most random kill was Walt. Yeah, because you're yeah. a psycho. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I had to kill him. You're trying to get to back d- at a guy by killing his kid. Like, Jesus yeah, yeah. Christ. Well, he tried to get his kid back by killing other people. So yeah, there's a certain did, yeah, poeticism to that. Right. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Those were all ones that we had uh, covered in uh, last season as well. But I've got a couple more that I am adding out of curiosity. Ben, who had the biggest fall from grace this season? Well,. Charlie. No, I mean no. you could say Charlie because he's he's religious. No, fall from grace would be Michael. Michael oh, peaked in episode wow. nine at twenty six points, and by the end of the season, fell one hundred and seventeen to negative one hundred and seventeen, which was a hundred and forty three point swing. Wow! Jesus. Yeah. So our, our biggest, uh, yeah. So that was definitely the meteoric fall there. <laughs> How about the biggest climb toward the top? Well, there's some religious overtones to set to this, but uh, it's it's perfectly <laughs> fitting that it's Mr. Echo. Um, a few interesting things was he never lost points. He started at zero, and then by the time uh, we got to episode 10, he, he was up to like 100, 111, 115 points, and he sort of stayed there for a while. Um, and then near the end of the season, he started to climb again, but he had amassed such an early lead that nobody, nobody, nobody could follow him to the top him. of the mountain. Well, and he's yeah. such a likable character that nobody yeah. ever had yeah. him yep. in their bottom characters or on their, you know, kill list. Yeah, right. he never wow. did anything. Even, yeah, even when he got his basically got his brother killed and murdered multiple people, we were all yeah. like, he's cool. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I yes, I think I remember. Lord, he's cool. I think I remember saying I'd let him slip my throat if he wants oh. to. Wow. That's, that's kind of grim. All right. Mm. So. Because there are new characters who show up in each season, uh, we decided, you know, at the beginning of the podcast that we were going to clear these power rankings uh, each time, which we will be sticking to. Everyone will start at zero again in season three. However, I thought that it might be fun that at the end of each season, I give Ben a little more work to do, and he (laughs) comes up... With the aggregate scores of the main characters, we are denoting the main characters as someone who has their own episode. So, for example, this year Henry Gale did finish in a negative amount, but he did not have his own episode, so he is not included in these final scores. However, next year... Uh, he does get his own episode, so he will be included, and the negative score from this year will roll over into his aggregate score. You're going to, I guess, figure out how to do that with the whole, he has a different name next season. Yes. Well, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, because when I looked at the spreadsheet, I don't see a Henry Gale episode. No, you don't. (laughs) No, no. Um, So, yeah, well, that's why I say make more work That'll all get addressed. And then we'll do it. So please, sir, give us the top five characters overall, seasons one and two. Yeah, well, we've got Kate, who finished in first place. She ended her the, the first season with 169 points, and in this season, only 80. So not nearly as popular this season, but she had amassed such a big lead uh, yeah. that she, she ended up at, with 249. Behind her? Dr. Brown's. 
Well, he would be so surgeon. Steady, steady, steady. He's 133 points in the first season and 107 this season. Comes out at 240. Behind him, I wrote it as Herky, but I think <laughs> I know Herky. what I mean is, is Hurley. Uh, also consistent. Uh, he came out with two, 200 points. Um, then we have Locke with 196 points. Look at the um, difference of Locke from season one to two. Season one, 150 points. Season two, 46. 46. See what happens yeah. when he loses the faith? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Um, somewhat uh, a little similar with Sun. She ended up in fifth place, 108 points in season one and only 44. I mean, what really happened here was that Mr. Echo just sucked up everyone's points yep. this season. Yeah. Yep. But and he finished. Where did we say like one thirty nine? So he's just below. He would be in yeah. the top ten, which is interesting because he was only, only in, in the one se- season, in the second season, and still, yeah. I think he was ranked seventh when I looked at it. He would have been yeah. seven out of ten had we done the top yeah. ten. Um, all right. Well, how about our bottom five? Well, we've got Michael with negative one hundred and fifty four points. He ended the first season with negative thirty seven, and then this next season with with negative one hundred and seventeen. So. Yeah, uh, behind him, we have Shannon, who ended the first season with negative 113 points. So Michael, with negative 117, has the biggest single-season loss. Loss, like negative score so far, yeah. Yeah. And then Shannon, she only had negative eight points in season two because she died. She started started gaining some back, and then, then we killed her. Yeah, yeah um, she was barely in season two and still yeah. is the second worst character. But next, <laughs> but, but next to her, in bed, in life, Boone. Boone! With negative oh 42 and negative three. So he came out, yeah, to negative 45 points. And then we have Sawyer in fourth place. He had negative 25 points at the end of season one, but ended up with a positive. Mm-hmm. Plus four points in season two. And then we have Jin, same deal. Negative 36 points. In the first season, but plus 20 in the second season. So he goes into season three with 16 points in the hole. Yeah, it shows how those two characters are are coming around. Sawyer had an up and down sort of season two. Yeah. Um, But he's definitely more liked. And and with Jin, I mean, it's almost complete opposite. Negative 36 and a positive 20. Yeah. Yeah. But you also... With characters like Jin, you you see him like in a, in an episode, but then he'll basically not be in multiple episodes. Like right. he'll show up and have like one line or something like that. But usually, he it's either about him or he's not really in it. So far, uh, I'm going to make yeah. a prediction. This is the last time we're going to see Jin in this bottom five overall. All right. Oh, all right. Let's talk about Bad Twin by Gary Troop. If you don't want spoilers for this novel, you may want to fast forward a little bit because we still have Derek's biggest season-long, series-long questions to get to before we say goodbye. For those of you sticking around, Bad Twin was published posthumously uh, after Gary Troop's death on Flight 815 by Hyperion Publishing in May of 2006. It made... Publishers Weekly, Amazon, and the New York Times bestsellers lists. In actuality, it was ghostwritten by author and former ethics columnist for Esquire magazine, Lawrence Shames. Funny enough, this novel that he ghost wrote is his most popular published book ever. Wow. However, the fact uh, that he was the ghostwriter was not revealed until after the show was completely over. 
um, the writers, much like they did with some of the other lore that sort of, you know, had its tentacles out in the real world, uh, like Alvar Hanzo and the Dharma Initiative, they pretended like it was all real through the course of the show. So, uh, Hyperion claimed that they, uh, Gary had dropped off a copy of the transcript before he left for Australia. And so they published it uh, after his presumed death because of the crash. However, you and I and everyone here knows exactly how Gary died because Gary is the guy who got sucked into the engine in the pilot episode. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. This we only know because the writers say so. Um, They said it on their podcast that that's who Gary was. Um, Okay, so there are several crossover characters slash organizations from the show that are in the book, uh, a couple of which haven't yet been explored on the show, but will be in the future. So if some of this sounds confusing to you, Derek, that's why. Let's talk about the crossovers. First, the Widmore family. In the book, uh, we meet Arthur Widmore and Clifford Widmore. They are the twins. Um, and also there is mention of their father, Arthur Widmore, who at the time is the uh, patriarch and head of the uh, Widmore family fortune and company. Um, the connection between these Widmores and Charles and Penny Widmore uh, remain unknown, but it is the same family. Is there a connection to Squidmore? <laughs> I don't think so. All right. <laughs> Um, Alvar Hanzo, he is very briefly mentioned in the book as someone who used to sit on the board of Widmore Corporations. And then he is inexplicably replaced by a man named Thomas Middlework. And Arthur Widmore, the patriarch, uh, comments, makes comments in the book about how Alvar Hanzo uh, is an honorable man. Thomas Middlework, which we have not met in the show yet. Technically, we haven't met Alvar Hanzo, but he has been mentioned, obviously. Thomas Middlework is also <coughs> mentioned in the in the book, and he is the one who replaces Hanzo on the board of directors of the Widmore Corporation. Cindy Chandler and Oceanic Airlines both make an appearance in the book. This is the first time we find out Cindy's last name. She is a flight attendant on the flight that serves Paul and Prue. We'll talk about who they are in a minute when I give you a synopsis of the book. Um, on their flight to Australia. Um, so, yeah, she shows up and and that's that. And obviously, so does Oceanic Airlines. That is what is used in the book to fly to Australia and back. Uh, the Widmore Corporation, obviously connected to the Widmore family, is also mentioned in the book. Same goes for the Hanzo uh, Foundation. And Pike Industries is also mentioned in the book. Uh, one of the twin brothers uh, was employed by a man named Pike. And there are other vague references to his Korean projects. Mr. Cluck's Chicken Shack, where the mayor of Island Town used to be employed, is also met mentioned in the book. The main character eats there when he is in California. And who was his manager? <laughs> Resident <laughs> Douchebag <laughs> Nations. 
The numbers show up all over the book. Xander, one of the twins, was born on 815, his brother on 816, as they were 23 minutes apart. The Widmore wow. gate code is 81516. The Hanzo Foundation uh, can be found on floor 42 of the Widmore building. Cliff, who is the other twin, uh, <coughs> begins to search for his brother Xander four months after he disappears, which according to Cliff was on April 15th or 415. I feel like they, they should go even more meta and just cut out the numbers 4, 8, 15, 16, 23, 42, cut out those page numbers in the book so they just don't yeah. appear anywhere. Oh, that would have been cool. <laughs> um, all right. There are also several literary references that we hear both in Lost and in the book. There is a character who loves to quote um, authors within the book Bad Twin, and these are the things that come up. <clears throat> the Epic of Gilgamesh. Boo. Lord of the Shannon. Flies, which we have not come across yet in the show. The Odyssey. The Turn of we the have. Screw. We came across Lord of the Flies? At one point, Sawyer says, um, it's Lord of the Flies now. Oh, yeah, yeah you're yeah, right. right. You're right. We did hear yeah, that. That was, that, season, was during... that was season one, wasn't it? That was early on. I thought it was when he stole the guns this season and that during his big speech. Oh, and that's why he did it, because it's Lord of the Flies out here. I don't remember, but you're right. I do remember that quote. It was that or it was when he kicked uh, Jin in the face Jin because the they th thought yeah. that Jin had burned the raft. Okay, yeah. so that would have been season one, too. Maybe. I, I can't remember exactly when, but yeah. Anyway. Yeah, me neither. I thought what he said before he kicked him was, you burned my ride. Yes. And then kicks him in the face. Yeah. Anyway, so things mentioned Gilgamesh, Lord of the Fries, 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 <laughs> Lord of the Fries. <laughs> Ding, fries are done. Woo! Ding, fries are done. Right. The Odyssey, the Turn of the Screw, the Third Policeman, and the Philosopher John Locke. Mm. There are a few other interesting sort of references in the book that pertain to the show, although some of them aren't obvious until later in the seasons. So, Derek, again, if it sounds strange, sorry. <laughs> in the book, there is a drug-addled character named Moth, which happens to be the title of the episode of our drug-addled character, Charlie. The Boat that Moth is working on in Bad Twin is called Escape Hatch. <clears throat> Here's where you're going to get confused, uh, Derek. Two figures from the Bible are mentioned, Jacob and Esau. Hold tight, Derek. That's on the way. Uh, there is a subplot in the book that deals with pearl farming. <laughs> when Paul is in Cuba searching for Xander, he meets a Cuban man and the first thing that he says is, you're him. What? <laughs> there is a city in the book named Luna, uh, which is rumored to have electromagnetic healing properties. Uh, Manny, who is the character who quotes all of the literature, uh, says in the book, he quotes Tolkien, uh, not all who wander are lost, 
the, I have the entire poem tattooed on my back. And while the show was being promoted, Not All Who Wander Are Lost was a quote that was used in the commercial previews for season two of Lost. <clears throat> now, there are a couple quotes in the book that I'm going to pull out, things that characters said, and it should hopefully become clear as to why I'm reading these to you as I am reading them. In the book, um, someone is speaking about uh, what is called Penaquiet, I think. I don't know how to pronounce it. It doesn't matter. Island. Um, or sorry. It's like, it looks like Pecanaquat. Yep, that's right. I w- had a weird moment there where I just switched the letters around. Um, anyways, here's the quote. As with every island, there was something slippery and mysterious about Ben. Conaquat. Thank you. Uh, it was I dyslexia connected. heart. <laughs> <laughs> I, d- I don't have dyslexia. I'm not going to appropriate that, but for some reason I can't pronounce this word and that's just the way it is. So, Conquat. The, re- the rest of the quote about the island. It was connected to the larger world, but then again, it wasn't. It had a logic of its own, a highly local mythology that made perfect sense within its confines, yet fitted uneasily with the mind habits of the world beyond its boundaries. Being an island, and a small one at that, it was also a place where people were easy to find. On the airplane, uh, there is a conversation that happens between Xander and Paul. So, while they are midair, Xander says... There are certain things I believe in, like good and evil. The hard part is, you don't only choose just once. Most of us have to keep choosing day in, day out, year in, year out. Good or bad, which way am I going to go? Paul responds, that's the idea of purgatory, right? Xander says, what if there is no purgatory? What if there is no heaven, no hell either? No afterlife at all. This is our chance to get it right. First chance, last chance, only chance. But that's exciting, beautiful, right? Our work in this life is to choose good over evil, to be fair, to be kind. And there is a payoff, though it doesn't have to do with harps and wings. The payoff is peace of mind. That's what redemption really is. Soon after the book was published, an official announcement, press release, excuse me, an official press release was sent out by the Hanzo Foundation. It reads as follows. A message from Hugh McIntyre, Director of Communications at the Hanzo Foundation. Don't believe bad twin. For over 30 years, the Hanzao Foundation has stood for compassion and innovation, but today our reputation has been attacked in the novel Bad Twin, written by Gary Troop and published by Hyperion Books. Throughout the pages of Bad Twin, readers have found numerous passages featuring misinformation about the Hanzo Foundation and its partners. The Hanzo Foundation strongly objects to the book Bad Twin and encourages readers to make up their own minds. The truth about the Hanzo Foundation is available at www.thehanzaofoundation.org and not on the pages of Gary Troop's Bad twin. Experience it for yourself. Thank you and namaste. Don't trust them. <laughs> trust them. 
And then on the paper, there was the Hanzo Foundation logo, which reads, reaching out to a better tomorrow. Oh, Ooh. give me a fucking break. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> That's that sounds like some movie you'd see Tom Cruise in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Are we clear? <laughs> you ready for the story? I have a summary. It is a little bit longer than uh last episode, Charles Dickens, but still I don't Please think anywhere. Please don't be as long as Gilgamesh. <laughs> it's anywhere as long as Gilgamesh. All right, let's see if we can fly through this. Here is the story. Paul Artisan. Did you just snore? Did somebody yeah, snore? <laughs> Paul Artisan is a small-time New York City private investigator. He lacks confidence in himself and, he, and his skills as being an investigator. One day, he is paid a visit from a very well-dressed, aloof man he learns is Clifford Wilmore, one of the heirs of the wealthy and influential Widmore dynasty. His twin brother, Alexander, who goes by Xander, has gone missing. Xander is known for, like, wild behavior and shady dealings, and everyone who knew him seems to think that's why he's gone. Clifford, on the other hand, is known as the more straight-laced He's a big responsible- red dog. <laughs> he's known as a straight-laced, responsible kind of guy and, and the cold one, uh, much like Charles Woodmore. Um, he is also the CEO of the Woodmore Corporation currently, uh, which the twins' father, Arthur, still heads and Arthur is known to be pretty opinionated, but also a benevolent eccentric. So, after meeting Clifford, Paul again doubts himself. So he goes to see his best friend and mentor, whose name is Manny Weissman. This is the guy who likes to quote literature and philosophers like John Locke. Uh, Manny is... Uh, you know, known to be kind of an an intellectual, and he typically likes to advise Paul using metaphorical stories that he doles out while the two of them go on long walks with the dog they share for some fucking reason. Um, and his name is Argos. Paul then starts chasing leads on Xander. He's going all over the fucking world. Cape Cod, Key West, Cuba, Luna Valley, California. That's just the one that has the uh, magnetic properties. And then also, of course, the coast of Australia. Along the way, he meets some interesting sort of characters. There is the pothead named Moth, yoga instructor and former lover of Xander named Sky, an old boat captain named Crunch, which is funny because oh. that was Christie's dog's name. <laughs> huh. Um, Clifford's pill-popping wife named Shannon, LOL, who is (laughs) secretly in love with Xander, and then Eliel, the founder of a cult-like nudist colony called the Helios Foundation. Hmm. Uh, Manny gives Paul, or sorry, many of them uh, give Paul hints on kind of where to chase Xander next, and that's why he's going all over the fucking place. Um, Some of these uh, characters are... threatened for helping him, and some of them are killed. While flying to Australia via Oceanic Airlines, uh, Paul sits next to a woman named Prudence, who in the book goes by Prue. They become fast friends, and when they get off the flight, they fuck each other in the hotel. Next morning, (laughs) Paul notices a gun in her purse and confronts her. Well, Prue then admits she's also a private eye, only she works for a large firm called Intercontinental, and she was once hired, she doesn't say by whom, uh, to tail Vivian Widmore. Now, Vivian Widmore is a much younger woman than her husband, Arthur, the 
patriarch of the Widmore family. She's also a nymphomaniac and has in the past tried to seduce Paul himself. Vivian was suspected of having an affair with a man named Mr. Thursday. Prue uh, relays that she was hired to follow Paul and make sure that he didn't come too close to finding Xander. So, she's a mole. I can't help but keep thinking about the British Bake Off because the hosts are named Paul and Prue. Really? Yeah, or the judges. Oh, the judges? Oh, how funny. Yeah, the judges are Paul and Prue. And it came out so many years before that Mm -hmm. existed. I should say, these are the current judges. It used to be Paul and Mary Berry, so now it's Paul and Prue. Mary gotcha. Berry. Mary Berry. All right. Is that first and last name or one? Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Got hmm. it. She's not a hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> she could be. I don't know. All right. So Paul realizes that he has been set up by Clifford to fail and that this is all a ruse to make it look like he's been searching for his brother. Excuse me. I have hiccups. <clears throat> So anyways, uh, he convinced himself that the reason that Clifford chose him is because he is actually shitty and a terrible P.I., all of the things that he's been afraid of, and that, you know, he just hoped that he would fail. So he gets real fucking angry about this, decides that he's going to try to prove himself, and convinces Prue to switch sides and work with him so that together they can find the truth. They follow Xander's trail to Lizard Island in the Great Barrier Reef, where they learn that he was pursuing a startup business of black pearl farming the last time that he had been heard from. So they masquerade as a honeymoon couple looking for real estate on the island and actually manage to find Xander himself. He's been living under an alias uh, named Cameron Perdue. They go out on his boat together, and all three of them narrowly escape being killed by assassins on the boat— um, Paul and Prue then reveal themselves to Xander, tell him the, the whole fucking story and that his life is in danger. They think that maybe his brother is actually trying to kill him. And they convince Xander to fly back to New York City with them. And they all get on Oceanic and fly back to the States. So when they arrive, they learn that Clifford has recently been killed during a quote-unquote robbery. This seems... Suspicious, but in the meantime, Xander is reunited with his father, Arthur. They go to Clifford's funeral together. At the funeral, a car comes out of nowhere and starts shooting everyone at the funeral. Paul, the car starts shooting people. How's a car shooting? The people in the car, you know, like a drive. Like guns in the headlights. It was like Transformers. All right, all that right. Looks so much better. Uh, yeah. It was Transformers. Yeah. Cool. Um, all right. So uh Paul and Prue, they start shooting back at the car. They manage to kill the shooter, who turns out to be Vivian, the nymphomaniac's first husband, a mafia boss by the name of Monty Alban. What type of he, what type of mafia boss does his own fucking hits? No shit. Yeah. Not much you know, of a boss. I don't, I don't know. But not only is he a mafia boss, but he also turns out to be Mr. Thursday. He and Vivian had planned to kill off the entire Widmore family one by one to get their money. She wanted to be the last woman standing, which is interesting when you think about what we talked about last 
well, it's not week, last episode, uh, with the Dickens novel that it was all surrounding money and death and what people would do for it. So, turns out that Xander was not, in fact, the bad twin. He was just misunderstood. Manny had suspected that the elder Widmore had been planning to leave all his money to him as the eldest-born twin by a matter of minutes, but he was wrong. The inheritance was actually... What? Did I say Manny? I didn't mean that. I meant Clifford had always expected that the elder Widmore would, would leave him all the money because he was the responsible one and the eldest one by a matter of 23 minutes. But he was wrong. The inheritance was to be split with the exception of a small portion going to Vivian. However, Xander had planned to invest the money <laughs> in his pearl farm with the profits going to the indigenous Australians who ran it, and then he was going to donate the rest of his inheritance to a Cuban medical relief aid. If he went through with this, he would have liquidated his stock in a manner that the Widmore family would not have enough control over their company, and Cliff would have lost his position as CEO, which is what made him a target. In the end, Vivian goes to jail for all of her plotting, and Paul and Prue end up together. Ta-da! <laughs> Thoughts? Thoughts? What do you what do you think about the crossovers and the story and uh what? I remember <clears throat> that I read Bad Twin back when it first came out. Um as did I. And I read it on a plane. That was what I just to be funny <laughs> to myself. Um <laughs> and I thought it was clever. You know, there was just a lot of cleverness. Um I didn't think that it was great literature. Um yeah. You know, it was, it's like a trashy beach novel kind of thing. It's definitely a trashy beach novel. Um, So the interesting thing about this is that the writers of Lost, when they um, hired the ghostwriter, gave the, uh, gave him a list uh, that said, we don't care how you incorporate it, but here is a list of things that we want to show up in the book which is how the you know they kind of got woven together. Um, apparently, he only included maybe half of the list because that's got to be really hard to write around. Um, and he sort of had his own vision for the book, but that is why we see the crossovers, is that he was told, you know, he didn't have to understand what they meant, but he was told, as long as you find a way to weave these in, um, you know, then it, again, it just puts the tendrils out and be like, oh, even the, these characters in these books are interconnected with, you know, the characters of the show the same way the characters of the show are interconnected with each other, whatever. Anybody else have thoughts on the book? Ben looks like he's going to just... Haven't read it, so... Go to sleep. Well, I meant on my summary. No, oh, I, mean, I zoned it, out. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> <laughs> all right, all this right. Is the, it's the Gilgamesh effect. Oh, Jesus yeah, I started watching Paint Dry, and I was like, man, that is interesting. You oh, know what? Oh, damn. <laughs> damn. You can all fuck off. All right, Derek. Let's, <laughs> no, I mean, let's get... Well, my, my, I'm going to give you my thoughts on it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, oh, it, wow. it, it sounds like it, it sounds like... it sounds like a pulp fiction, you know? Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. would it be better to read it later on, or... You can no, read it any time. No, won't. because I've already I've already mentioned all of the okay. the connections. You may not understand them, or you won't know. You know how the you won't get Bible won't get story. spoilers from reading. No, 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 not at all. Mm -mm. Nope. Because you have to understand when this came out. Like it, it came out right during 
right during the show and it the audience had only seen the couple of seasons and so they weren't going to spoil it in a book so it's not like that yeah. um yeah any but, I, but i'm sure a lot of people trying to break all the codes and figure out everything that's happening in the show picked up the book and started using it to mine for yeah oh absolutely know. and that was the whole point and that it was, and like, a, that's it was why, like a it was a q drop basically that's probably why it's this yeah. author's you know biggest hit yeah yeah. Exactly. Like Hugh drops. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and not only that, but the press release that I read to you from the Hanzo Foundation, that was the introduction of like their website. That's why they used that to drive traffic to this oh. website. And I don't even know if it's still up, but, you know, it used to be you could go and it just looked like a corporate website yeah. as if, you know, that they were real. It was just all about, they kind of, they like built the lost world in 3D. So like we were also part of it, you know? So anyways... Derek, what are your biggest questions that have, uh, you know, encompassed the entire season two or the entire show so far? Well, I still want to know, like, what, why is the Dharma initiative there? Like, I okay. kind of got an idea. They got to push the button to stop that magnet from going crazy. But, you know, what's the, what is its origins? What are the Dharma initiative origins? Yes. Well, stay tuned, my friend. You will know all of that eventually. And my next one is, what happened to the smoke monster? That thing has been quiet for a while. Oh, I feel like the last time we saw it was when uh, Echo came face to face. Is that right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's been a while ago. that was pretty early on in the season, Mm -hmm. wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me tell you, my friend. The smoke monster's roll gets bigger and mm-hmm. bigger. Cool. Yeah, because it's just kind of like, you know, you don't see it. It's just gone. I mean, like, it's yeah. got to still be there. Right. Do you, you will get some answers about the smoke monster, what it is, uh, what it's doing on the island. It's going to take a long time, but those answers are coming. And you touched on this earlier, and he's had a lot of um, episodes. And why is Locke in a wheelchair? They keep oh, teasing. you're still, <laughs> yeah. still like, oh, my yeah. God, tell me. Oh, yes. Um, I think in one of the best fucking episodes of the show altogether, uh, we will have that answer finally in season three. And I uh, am going to steal that episode for myself, probably. No, maybe I'll give it to Derek. Uh, I'll think about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there's, there's two more. Um, where did the others come from and how did they get there? Okay. It looks so, like they've been there for a while, maybe. Right. Or is that just how they want you to believe? Interesting. It's so dirty. Yeah. Well, you find some right? of that I mean, out uh, fairly early in season three, don't you? Um, some of those questions you. sort of get answered. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed, you do. We dive into the others fairly quick, quick, quick. We what? Quick. We quick. We we dive into the others. We we dive into the others and uh, Henry Gale and his real name and all of those good things uh, fairly quickly. Quick. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? (laughs) I know she's not drinking. What's wrong with me? I've been talking to her. I just want Uh, to be loved. Is that so wrong? (laughs) I'm not going to try to say that a third time. I think y'all got what I was uh, getting early on. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And the last Um, one is, um, or did you finish? 
No, yes. Okay. Well, I mean, not finished. Yeah, I know, but what what do the <laughs> others want with Walt so bad? Like they have a fascination yeah. with children. Like, you know, they took, you know. Right. Well, yeah. so what did you think of of the theory that I mentioned? As far as like I mean, as as far as you know, people were thinking that the Dharma Initiative was running experiments on children. And it fits into that, you know, because okay. they they want the children. Yeah, I think it's a cabal mm-hmm. of pedophiles. And then so how do the others Probably. tie in? Are the others Dharma? Or are the others continuing their work? What I mean, it is could be going like ex Dharma people that went crazy. You know, I wonder if they're ex housing all the children underneath the pizza parlor. Oh my god, they're on. Lost. <laughs> the island is Epstein's island. That's right. Oh, <laughs> That's it. I, I yeah. solved it. That's why they want the children. Yes. <laughs> I solved it. Oh, oh, oh god. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that hurts. Oh, that's so bad. Oh, oh God. Oh, Jesus. Good All Lord. Right. This is a fantastic way to end the season. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you have anything else, Derek? No, that's that's the main ones. All right. I love your questions. I love what you're thinking. I'm not going to give it away, but I will say in all of your speculations, just then you hit one of them nail on the fucking head. So stay tuned. It's the pedophile thing. Yeah. <laughs> Epstein. Epstein didn't kill himself. All no. right, guys, that's it, that's folks. Right. This is the actual end of season two of Lost and Lost in My 40s. Once again, I'd like to extend a special thanks to Ado and Dave and Caleb for joining us this season. Again, don't forget to message us, basebearmedia.com slash contact. Let us know if you like the guest stars and if you want to see more because we aim to please. All right. We'll be back just after Christmas on Wednesday, December 28th, with three new episodes for season three. Season two recap, A Tale of Two Cities, and The Glass Ballerina. We get another new full cast, some with their own flashbacks, including Mr. Henry Gale, whose name will be revealed. Yay! Plus, and I'm going to keep saying it, finally, Christy gets to take us through Nikki and Paolo. Season three is coming <laughs> at ya in 10 weeks. Don't miss the pre-show on Space Bear Media's YouTube channel on Tuesday, December 27th. Have a super happy holiday season, starting with Halloween, ending with Christmas. We'll see you in 10 weeks. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Woo. Lost in My 40s is a Space Bear Media production. Executive produced and edited by me, Lacey J. Sound engineering, editing, and original music by Benjamin Trim. Like and follow Lost in My 40s on Facebook to interact with your hosts. Plus, follow Space Bear Media on YouTube to watch our episode pre-shows. You can also find us at Space Bear underscore media on Instagram and Twitter. Or... Come to our website, spacebearmedia.com.